biggest thing in entrepreneurship is is knowing it's a marathon, not a sprint. And it's not about one decision you're making. There's not one choice where you're like, this is a successful company or this is a failure company. It is millions of decisions, millions of small decisions day by day, and it's a commitment to persevere. And so you're gonna you're gonna hit a wall, you're gonna hit a fork in the road, you're gonna hit a fire. It's really the commitment to say, I'm not giving up on this. Welcome to CEO School. We're your hosts, Sunira Madani and Shannon Monson, and we believe you deserve to have it all. Less than 2% of female founders ever break 1 million in revenue, and we're on a mission to change that. Each week, you'll learn from incredible mentors who've made it to the 2% Club, as well as women well on their way, sharing how they've defied the odds so you can do it too. You're a real business now, and class is officially in session. This episode is sponsored by The Club a quarterly box and digital monthly community to help you level up in leadership and life. Learn more today at join.theceoschool.co slash the club. Welcome to today's episode. We're so excited for you. We have Molly, the co-founder and CEO of Red Clay Hot Sauce, a modern Southern hot sauce and hot honey company. She's based out of Charleston, a Southern girl like myself, so I'm very excited to have her on the show. She was also the co-founder and co-CEO of Babyators, which if you haven't heard of them, was one of Forbes' 100 most promising companies and the leading sunglasses brand for babies and kids with over wait for it, three and a half million pairs sold. She's also a Harvard grad, incredibly smart business owner, woman, mother. So we're so excited to have her on the podcast today. Molly, thanks for coming. Yeah, Shannon, thanks for having me. Okay, I want to just dive right in because you are running a food service company in the middle of COVID. So how are you surviving? What has that been like? Um, What advice do you have for all of us in the middle of this? It has definitely been um, a hard year, but a really rewarding year um, despite or because of sort of the hard work that the team and I really kind of committed to putting in. So Red Clay, just a little context, is is first and foremost a restaurant hot sauce. My partner is a chef um, at some of the best, had worked at some of the best restaurants here in Charleston, Fig, The Ordinary, Leon's, crafted our original sauce as a sauce to pair with oysters at an oyster bar here in town. And so we really built sort of that first couple years as a local kind of cult restaurant hot sauce where all the right restaurant tables sort of supported Charleston and we grew in the F&B food and bev community and um, I stepped in as CEO about two years ago I was co-founder and kind of still in the day-to-day of babyators but I stepped in as CEO to really sort of take it beyond that kind of local cult Charleston love sauce to a national stage and share it you know on grocery shelves and share it with boutiques and, and, and push direct to consumer which is sort of my background and wheelhouse but that said food service was still a good you know, 30% of our gross revenue last year. And so we're on a number of restaurant tables. And so when restaurants closed in March um, and we had, you know, a forecasted million dollar year and 30% of it was going to be from restaurants who were closed, you know, and couldn't even open for any service for a few months, we really had to kind of step back and reevaluate and pivot. And so my head of sales and I, first of all, cut about $30,000 of expenses monthly out of the bill. We paused a lot of things we didn't need right away. And we were really sort of lean, lean, you know, sort of did a lean, mean team. And, um, 
you know, thought about cash and, and our runway of cash, knowing we didn't know where sales were going. And then after that, we leaned hard into direct-to-consumer and used all the money we were going to put into samples for food service, into gifting for influencers, and knowing a lot of these celebrities and chefs are now sitting at home quarantined cooking, um, we started gifting a bunch of sauce all over the place. And one of the packages was to Jenna Bush Haker. And a few days after she received the gift package, I'm on the phone with my head of sales, Bill Schaefer, and he's like, he keeps getting ping, ping, ping on his phone, ping, ping, ping. And I'm like, what, what's happening on your phone? Like, I can't hear you. And he's like, there are 800 people on our site right now. And he's like, I was like, that's the only way that's possible is television. And so I was like, what TV could we be on right now? And I'm like, oh my gosh, Jenna Bush just got her samples like two days ago. Run to my television, put on the Today Show. It's a commercial. And I'm like, oh no, I think I missed it. And a customer sent the video, but Jenna Bush got up there and held two bottles on a Zoom with COVID and was like, this is getting me through quarantine. You know, Red Clay is this new product I love. And that moment for me pivoted our 2020 to, oh my gosh, are we going to die? To, oh my gosh, we're going to die because we can't keep up with orders. <laughs> you know, we're out of stock, we're selling like crazy. And we were able to meet our million dollar goal for the year because of that pivot to direct to consumer. I think that's so smart. And we've had a couple other guests on the show that have said similar things that you had this, mo this crisis moment. And the first thing that you did was, okay, figure out our cash flow. Like, how are we going to, what's our runway? How are we going to make this work? And how can we run as lean as possible? And then from there, you're really stepping into what, where are people going to be? They're not going to be in restaurants. How can we meet them where they are in their homes and really moving into influencer marketing? Um, and of course, it had phenomenal results for you. I think that's really exciting. And also opens up like probably a whole new part of your business that maybe wouldn't have been there before which I think is very cool. Okay, let's back up because I you're telling the story about red clay hot sauce and I'm imagining, were you just eating at a restaurant and you thought this is the best hot sauce ever? This is my new business partner? Like how did this, how, how did this come, how did you come to be the CEO of this company? So with red clay, I literally... You know, Baby Eaters was our first, my first product business, and it's a 10-year-old company. Um, my husband and I started with another couple from college, and my husband is an aviator for the Marine Corps, and we came up with the concept Baby Aviator, Baby Eater, and, and it, you know, inspired by it, he actually came up with the name, and I had been doing that and really sort of built my experience in kind of consumer packaged goods for, at that point, probably six or seven years. Um, had Fox, our, our son, who's now five, was pregnant with him. And all I wanted during that pregnancy was martinis and oysters. <laughs> I was like, what are you craving? I'm like, vodka. Um, can't have it. But uh, so our first day out after we had Fox, Ted took me to our favorite oyster bar in town, the Ordinary. And I ordered oysters and I got my martini and my husband and the bartender asked me if I wanted hot sauce with our oysters. And I was like, no, not really a hot sauce person. Ironic in retrospect, now that I'm a hot sauce CEO. But he said, no, this is really different. Our chef makes it. He barrel ages it in his garage. It's delicious. It's perfectly paired for oysters. It's not too hot. He sold me on it. I tried it. And I turned to Ted and I was like, this is the best thing I've ever had. And I don't even like hot sauce is the best thing I've ever had. So I was like, you have to go shake this man's hand. So he went back in the kitchen and met Jeff and gave him his card and said, you know, if you ever want to bottle this, call us. Um, and about two weeks later, he called us and we gave him a small amount of capital just to get started. And we were silent equity partners, very hands off. He would check in with us sort of like, how do I incorporate or how do I trademark or who's an accountant you like? And we took a little sliver of the company and then call it three or four years later, I, Charles, you know, like I said, Red Clay had kind of 
had built itself into this beautiful artisan local well-loved cult sauce and it sort of was i would say plateauing at about probably seventy thousand in revenue for a year or two at that point just because it had saturated the market the current market right yeah it kind of had had built to a, a little bit of like a loved charleston local yeah good but wasn't really doing anything kind of bigger than that. And Jeff, you know, had a day job and it really wasn't his, you know, he was doing it where he could. But um, I had read an art, you know, Baby Eaters was at that point eight years old. My team was running with it and I didn't want to be that CEO that was like over their shoulder, like, what's the Instagram caption today? You know, how, what's our strategy on this? That That's not fun for anybody. And so realized I needed some, I like baby businesses. I like that kind of, Who's, who, what's our logo? What's our color palette? Who's our consumer? What's our sales channel? And not optimization like eight years in about margins and how to make it slightly better. That's deep, that de-energizes me. But so I was missing the early days of a business and had read an article about Sir Kensington's ketchup and how it built it, you know, it differentiated itself in the in the ketchup space as thoughtfully crafted, higher quality ingredients, millennial consumer, well branded, and it sold to Unilever for something like 140 million dollars on 17, 20 million in revenue. And I was like, this is what red clay is in hot sauce. We are all these things. We could do this. We can take it and, and sell it and put it on a platter for one of these bigger entities to, to really make it a household name. And that was really exciting for me. And so I drove up to where Jeff was living at the time. And I said, let's take this national. And he said, great, I want to make the sauce. If you want to step in and do the business, take a little more ownership, be CEO, would love it. And so I did that two years ago on the condition he let me relabel re and re redo the site because I'm very big into branding. And so wanted to make sure the branding was where we wanted to be. We relaunched in October, drove up to Fresh Market headquarters in November and pitched them. They said yes to a full store rollout. That was our full grocery rollout um, uh, in six months later. And then we pitched Whole Foods and they picked us up in two regions. And then this past weekend, we actually launched All Doors in Publix, so 1,200 doors for Publix. So in the past two years, we've definitely grown 300% year over year, two years running. And we're clocking another 300% growth or about three and a half million for the year, this year in gross revenue. So sort of, it's like this train that's, that's leaving the station. There's so many things I love about this story, though. I mean, you you are a, a brand new mom. We have a lot of women that listen to this show. Yes. And you don't say that you don't even like hot sauce. Like, this is not something that you were born. You know, you know. I think a lot of times you kind of feel like it's too late. Or, you know, maybe I had my one hit wonder. Maybe I can't, you know, start another business successfully. And what would that look like? You're in a place, you, you tell the waiter you don't even like hot sauce. To now being the CEO of a nationally recognized brand that's on the Today Show and has all the success. I think there's so many stories in there for us that everything is learnable, right? Mm -hmm. Everything that I'm sure you're probably an expert, I'm guessing you're an expert now in even like recipe and formulation and you were able to take all these lessons you learned from baby eaters from the first company and apply them to also a product-based business. But let's be clear here. I mean, physical product, fashion products and food service are very different worlds, but you had enough like lessons and learns that you're able to apply and learn this new thing. I think that for someone listening is really exciting to know that you can know nothing about something and turn it into an incredibly successful company. So what would you say are, you know, now you've done this twice very successfully. What are the three biggest learnings in that first zero to seven figures starting a company? So I, I completely agree with you. You know, 
children's retail and food and bev are like night and day, specifically grocery. Um, they, you know, the way it functions, the way you order POs, distribution, it, it's grocery is its own complete animal. Um, and so it, it was a huge new learning curve for me. And then also, in addition to that, I was co-CEO of Baby Eaters with my three other partners. And so I had a sounding board um, where I could, first of all, lean on them to actually, you know, have like the other partner was the CFO, the other partner was the COO. So, you know, where's my ops chain? Where's my, my, my forecast? It was all done. And we would kind of come together and, and huddle. And with, with, Red, with Red Clay, Jeff really very much owns the production and the palette. You know, it's his, but like the, the business side is, is, you know, I would certainly, you know, ping him and ask him questions, but making kind of all the details and decisions on my side and that not having the, okay, who am I? <laughs> Where's my help? So no, no, kind of the, 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 the climbing the mountain on your own um, was a huge learning lesson for me and knowing I can and building the confidence that I can do that was exciting. But to answer your question on the zero to, to seven figures, um, I think first of all, knowing that you don't know, you know, what you don't know and accepting that and embracing that and is totally fine. Um, and part of the job and, a, you know, a key sort of a key step of self-awareness to say, okay, I am, I am new at this. How do I learn it? Who do I talk to? How can I get a mentor? How can I get peers who are already doing it in this space? How can I build a board of advisors for my business for people who've done this before and can help me? How do I, what book should I be reading? Um, you know, I don't watch television anymore, you know, but I take the time to kind of learn about the businesses through, through stories or conversations or, cat, or podcasts or whatever it is. So, you know, accepting that you're a novice and kind of striving to learn and the fact that you're always learning. But number two, I would say, you know, for me, I've learned that the, the biggest thing in entrepreneurship is, is knowing it's a marathon, not a sprint. And it's not about one decision you're making. There's not one choice where you're like, this is a successful company or this is a failure company. It is millions of decisions, millions of small decisions day by day, and it's a commitment to persevere. And so you're going you're gonna to hit a wall, you're going to hit a fork in the road, you're going to hit a fire, and it is that commitment to say, okay, I can do this. And the more you do, the more steps you kind of take and the more fires you put out, the more comfortable you are with those. But I think it's, it's the, really the commitment to say, I'm not giving up on this. And I think a lot of people are deterred by failure, are deterred by those obstacles and give up or they, they burn out. And so I think the third thing I would say, my third learning would be balance and some kind of time away so that you prevent burnout. You know, we as women are so all encompassing of just like, I'm going to throw myself in and give it all. But if you give it all, you give it, you give too much you know, you start to resent the business or hate it, or you're tired, or you just like, you know, screw it, I'm done. This is too much. And I think if you really consistently make time, I remember one of my, I went to like a CEO session once and the, he was a professional CEO coach. And he says, I like to treat my CEOs like they're trained Olympic athletes. How would, a, how would an athlete take care of themselves? Sleep, nutrition, time away, recreation, meditation, manifestation, visualization. What are, what are the tools and techniques? If you view yourself like an elite athlete, how would an elite athlete take care of their body or their, their work or their, or their habits? And what I've learned is sort of a little bit every day. And, and you, don't, you don't 
stay up all night till five in the morning to finish something because then you're, you're wrecked for three days, you know, sort of honor your boundaries, give yourself time to come back refreshed with new inspiration um, to prevent so that you can get to that million dollar marker. And you can, it's just a matter of kind of time and, and releasing yourself of deadlines. I had a friend say to me, I was like, Oh my gosh, what if we don't make our million dollar goal? You know, I was like, Oh my gosh, what if we don't? he's like, so, so you make a million dollars the year after, like only you are putting that deadline on yourself. And I was like, yes, that is so true. I did. And who cares if we make a million dollars this year or next year, but like, we're going to do it. That's really good advice. Mm-hmm. That's really good advice. Okay. There's so many things I want to, I'm like taking notes because I want to ask you so many questions. Okay. The first thing you said is kind of finding people that have done it before you, finding that board of advisors. And I know when you were at Babyators, you actually had a, a connection with somebody at Warby Parker and you mentioned learning a lot about the sunglasses business from them. So how do, how do we go about in a new business? You're in those baby stages. How do you find the right people and kind of create that support network? I think, so with the Warby example, that was a college friend. And so I think, first of all, going to the people who know you already and love you, whether that's your college network or if you have grad school, grad school network, a high school network or family and friends um, or formal, former work networks, you know, where you used to work previously. And so I think that's where you can start and you just sort of send a mass email or one-on-one email saying, listen, I'm starting this business in this new category um, and I want to learn about it. Is that, do you know anybody who knows it and sort of start with people who know you and trust you and are willing to kind of go that extra mile for you and they might have a good connection. And in the Warby case, you know, my husband was, was a college roommate of one of the founders. And so he sat down with us and gave us some tips on launching when we launched baby eaters. I think the next step would be, you know, LinkedIn or Instagram. I feel like, you know, people are, you, you can't reach out to the like people that have millions and millions of followers because they just get bombarded. But who are the who are the knowledgeable people that are maybe one or two levels ahead of you, one or two steps ahead of you, and have you know the expertise without the extremely large audience? Because the large audience they're going to be drowned out in comments. But the the, ex, the smaller person who's on her way to become that. Um, might be willing to kind of jump on the phone with your 15 minutes or on a Zoom call or an email thread. And I also think my biggest thing with the mentor thing, because I get asked this a lot, is asking someone to formally be your mentor is really overwhelming (laughs) for the person. Because you're like, what does that mean? My my bandwidth is already zero. I can't commit to anything. I'm so sorry. So you you don't want to go in saying, will you help me forever? You know what I mean? Um, But I think saying, listen, I, you know, I have one question, 15 minutes of your time, you know, and, see, and, and honoring that 15 minutes and say, really be very specific about what help you need, or even keeping it to email or keeping it to DMs and saying, oh, yeah, I saw that you make these beautiful boxes for your hot sauce. Who's your favorite box maker? Do you mind sending me a contact at your corrugated factory? And I would say, sure, I love them. Here you go. And it's a very easy thing for me to check off and to feel like I was helpful. But if it's saying, will you be my mentor in my business as I scale for the next 10 years, I can't commit to that. You know. And so I think knowing, knowing to be really deliberate about who you're asking and what you're asking so that it doesn't, so you get the reply, basically. I love that. I think people do do want to help, but you have to be thinking about where they're at and you're making it so easy. You're saying, okay, come with a specific question, come with a specific time frame. you know, have no agenda, right? It's not that I want you to be my mentor for the next 10 years. I just, can you answer this question for me? And I think that 
people are, are actually very willing to ask when you're respectful of their, to answer if you're respectful of their time. Okay. The second thing you talked about was not giving up and that it is a long game. Um, when you're in those moments, cause we all have them where you do want to quit and throw in the towel and maybe find, find a new project, something else to work on. What advice would you give to someone in that moment? I would say take some time away before you make the decision. So I think, you know, if you're feeling like I'm burning out, I want to quit. I think, first of all, giving yourself a break. Take a vacation, either a, a solo vacation, a girlfriend's vacation, a family vacation. Um, if you can't take a vacation, go for a walk, get a massage. Um, put, turn off the computer, turn off your email for a couple days and step away to get some clarity. Um, and then once you have a little clarity and time away, I would, I would recommend journaling about what it is that is burning you out. And is it a specific part of the business that you're in the weeds on that you shouldn't be? And that is that, could that be solved with a, a new hire? Is it the category itself? And you're just, you're, you're like, you know, I hate commercial real estate. I'm done with commercial real estate. Real estate is just too, not my, not my bag. Like, you know, in sort of that's harder to solve without getting out of the business or, um, you know, thinking about, you know, uh, kind of what it is that's burning you out. Or is it just like not having boundaries? Like I've been working 18 hour days for months and I, and I'm exhausted and I don't see my kids and I don't see my husband and I don't see girlfriends and I want to, but if I worked eight hours a day on it and I got to do all those things, I would actually still love it. And so I think figuring out what it is that you're burning out on and is it solvable and then solve it. If it is like hire somebody, put boundaries in place, give yourself the space to, to see your friends or your family or your workout class that you love or take up a hobby or whatever that is. But if it's the bigger question of the business model isn't working and I'm hitting myself head against the wall for no reason, it's not selling. Um, or I, I really don't enjoy the category. Like, you know, I own a casino and I feel conflicted about owning a casino. Like I think, you know, then you kind of need to evaluate your exit and what the exit strategy is and you know, how you move through it over time. Um, because your point in the beginning about, you know, I was a baby eater and I'm in hot sauce. We live in a world where we're not joining IBM at 22 and retiring from IBM at 77 anymore. We are in a world where we are going to have three or four or five careers. And that's beautiful. And there's nothing wrong with saying, I learned this lesson from this business and I'm going to do something different in my next one and shutting it down. That's not a failure. That is a growth experience. Um, and so I don't think you should also just, again, I think you don't want to go down with the shit for no reason. I want everyone to pause this and re-listen. And I'm, there've been so many golden nuggets that you've said, and I just feel like I feel poured into as an entrepreneur. So I'm really excited. I think that we are living in a time where we can't question what the norm has been. And there's no reason we can't have three or four or five different businesses or have a corporate career and two different side hustles. And we really get to create what we want that to look like. And I think journaling can be really powerful to get clear on what does success look like for me? Where do I want to be? And what's not aligned in my life? It's something that came up for me while you were talking. Entrepreneurs are incredible problem solvers. There's not one thing you've said to me that it wasn't, okay, here's the problem. How do we solve it? And so there's always a solution and it's just getting creative about 
finding it. And on that note, a question we'd love to ask, what was one of the biggest obstacles in growing either business? I'm open to any of your entrepreneurial journeys, Aviator or Red Clay, and what, what did you do to get over that? What was it like? Yeah, I love this question um, because that's basically entrepreneurship is just obstacles. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what's the obstacle today? How do I solve it? What's the obstacle tomorrow? How do I solve it? Um, and a commitment, again, to persevere through that over years. Um, but so I feel like I like th there's a story, you know, what makes red clay different than a lot of the other hot sauces out on the shelf or all the other hot sauces on the shelf is that we cold press. And so... Most hot sauces, you buy peppers, you boil the peppers, you add kind of flavor or some kind of ingredient mix and then bottle and you're done. And for us, my partner being the chef, think coming at it from like a chefy mindset, he's like, well, in Spain, they cold press their olive oil and it's the most beautiful olive oil of that first batch, extra virgin olive oil cold press. And so we, he wanted to honor the pepper in the same way that Spanish people or, you know, a lot of, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Italy, whatever, it, you know, honor the olive. And so we cold press, literally use the equipment like of fresh pressed juice. And so we were making this, when I stepped into CEO, Jeff was still hand making at a small factory in Florence, South Carolina, all of our sauce. We pitched Whole Foods and they said yes. And so now we had this big order coming out. Like Wait, I want to pause you because if you don't have a food service background, he's, okay, if he's hand pressing a batch, how many bottles can he make by himself in a day? Yes, yeah, so we had one bottling line. We had one automated line. So he was able to like actually automate the bottling, but we, he okay. was hand, hand fermenting the peppers. I mean, who knows? This is his expertise. I would say like a couple thousand units. Okay, and then the Whole Foods order, I have to oh, imagine. Like hundreds of thousands. So you have to figure out, like, like, I know food service, this is my background, and so I'm thinking you have to now figure out how to completely redo the production process and almost overnight, right? Like how, how fast of a turnover was this? When was Whole Foods expecting the first delivery? How did you deal with that? So the, the, one of the nice things about grocery is nice. One of the, the quirks, but also this worked to our advantage, is they have a typically a, a category review schedule that they honor pretty deliberately. So you'll say, okay, once, once a year, they'll reset the shelf on the hot sauce aisle. And so you, you know, they're reviewing all the sauces for a one week period, probably nine months in advance. And they tell you six months in advance that, you know, the tummy October that we're resetting for April 1st and you've been accepted. And the purchase order is going to arrive in January. You need to deliver by March and we'll be on the shelf. And so we did have that six month window, thankfully, to prepare it. So we started calling all the co-manufacturers, knowing that this was a huge obstacle. We couldn't service Whole Foods the way we were currently doing it, so hands-on. And we called all the hot sauce companies in the country. They all heat. They all do yeah. the old school, sort of post-World War II method of condiment making of like boil and bottle. And we, refuse to give that up because that keeps our plant enzymes lives. It makes it a health food product. We don't have to add sugar. It's raw. It's cold. Um, it's it's um, like it's a live sort of probiotic as a result through our fermentation process. And the flavor is more pure. And that's the biggest thing with my chef partner is like brightness of the flavor, complexity of the flavor. It doesn't dull and make a one note condiment. And so we wouldn't, we wouldn't sacrifice that. And so 
literally I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going to be up all night for months just doing this ourselves. And so my head of ops at the time, who's this amazing woman, was like, we're not thinking outside the box. Who else cold presses? So we started calling juiceries and kombucha factories. And we found a juice kombucha place that knows how to ferment, has the cold cold press equipment in Buffalo, New York. And we built our production line up there and so we're the only hot sauce brand that's made at a kombucha factory purely because we weren't willing to sacrifice that process of what makes us unique so that was a huge obstacle that we had to really get creative to figure out how to solve um that took months um of hard work and like banging our head against the wall yeah it's so cool though that you're thinking okay we're not reinventing the wheel like someone somewhere has solved for this it's just might not be in the hot sauce world and that is incredibly creative and makes a ton of sense because kombucha is already fermented and they have the equipment and i think that sometimes we're so used to looking at something in a certain way we can't step outside and take a different perspective and sometimes it does take months to come up with that kind of creativity so Massive congrats to you. Um, I am very excited to get some of this hot sauce in hands. Tell us more about really what makes it unique. Your favorite things, I'm a massive foodie, so what are your favorite things to pair it with outside of oysters? Because we definitely want to hear more about the product itself. And I love it. Well, thank you. So we have four sauces and we have three honeys. Our four sauces, the original is a Fresno-based sauce. Kind of has tomato-y notes. It's a red sauce. We have a little bit of a hotter version of that. That's called our Carolina that has a little bit of dried reaper pepper in the Fresno for a bigger bite. But again, Chef believes in like flavor over flame, we like to say. So it, we're not the hottest hot sauce out there. It is about elevating your food. It is about um, balance, nuance, making your food kind of taste better and more flavorful and not killing your palate. So you can't taste what you're eating because it's just like fire hot. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so t- t- Food & Wine magazine named us Tabasco for the 21st century because of that, because of the process and the way we kind of honor the ingredients. And so those are the two red sauces. We have a green sauce and, and what you put on them. I love them on protein. Um, they're great on any kind of chicken, meat, steak, obviously shrimp, oysters, any kind of raw bar stuff, crabs or whatever. And then also really good. And I think because of, of the fermentation, it adds a little sort of umami funkiness with it. It's a great ingredient in cooking. So it's really delicious mm-hmm. in stews, in soups, in chilies, in sauces, in marinades, um, because it adds a little kind of like depth of flavor. Yeah. Or not just a condiment after afterthought at the end of a meal. Oh, I love that. I know you mentioned, I think on Instagram, I saw you putting it in like guacamole too. Yes. So the Verde is amazing in guacamole. I'll do a really clean, it's actually, it's phenomenal on any kind of avocado, like avocado, sliced avocado salad or like um, avocado toast or guacamole, but it's great with just some fresh lime, salt, the Verde sauce. The Verde is a serrano pepper and to balance the serranos, he adds fennel and Vidalia onion and salt and it's zesty and herbaceous and gardeny. And it's kind of like this secret cult sauce you know people don't gravitate towards a green sauce typically but it is yeah. ends up being everybody's favorite it's all my girlfriend's favorite um and it's amazing on eggs and tacos and enchiladas and any kind of mexican food um but we go through that the most in our house um, the habanero is our hottest and that has sort of citrus floral notes of the habanero so my partner adds orange zest and carrot puree to that and that's really delicious that's kind of our most pure heat sort of disappears as heat into a dish but it's great um 
uh, you know, if you just want to add a heat element of like on a veggie burger or a burger or um, into a spicy cocktail, that's sort of like a habanero peach margarita is delicious. I never thought about that. I feel like I've just traveled to Charleston and eaten in the last five minutes just listening to you talk, yeah. talk about all these hot yeah. sauces. So, and we'll sell kind of multi-packs. You can try them all. And then with, so the way we fresh press the um, sauce, you're left with a, a little bit of a pepper mash. That's, that's a wet mash. We dehydrate that. And with the habanero mash, we actually fold that into a hundred percent raw Georgian wildflower honey. And we make a hot, a hot honey because we didn't want to waste, you know, one of our core values is sustainability and kind of not, not wasting where we can. And that, that was this beautiful byproduct that was sort of pure and raw and fermented. And so we were like, what can we do with this? And explored this hot honey trend. And that's become one of our best sellers through the fact that it's just this growing food trend. And we are the highest quality hot honey out there and don't add additives or foreign honey or, um, and keep it sort of local and raw and delicious. Um, and that's amazing on everything, any kind of like sandwich or cheese or Again, in a cocktail, my partner puts it in like Greek yogurt with fruit and granola for breakfast. I love it on like a biscuit or cornbread or some kind of like yummy carb. It's, it's a great, it's, it's insane. It's delicious. I'm fascinated. As all of us listening, they probably haven't been out to eat in almost a year. So I'm so excited. I'll definitely share. I know you're sending some I'll share on Instagram so you guys can see it too. I think we are all ready for a little spice in our life, <laughs> something a little bit different and a change of routine, especially when it comes to food. So I'm very excited. One of our core values, and you're talking about core values a lot, one of our core values at CEO school is helping more women hit this 2% club, this 2% statistic, less than 2% of female founders ever hit a million dollars in revenue. You've done it twice now. What advice would you give to someone that feels like this might be out of reach or they're on their way? Is there like one last piece of advice or you know, maybe just inspiration you could leave us with? Yeah, and I think going back a little bit to what I said, I, I really believe releasing yourself of time deadlines, you know, honoring, honoring your own journey um, and knowing you're going to get there. It's just a matter of when, you know, and I think women are, are often, we're so hard on ourselves to say, all right, I want a million dollars by next year. You know, that's great. But you also, you know, we can't control the macroeconomic climate of a global pandemic and restaurants shutting down. So we kind of have to have to sort of set the goal out there and then be gentle with ourselves and with our team and give ourselves grace. And so I feel like the confidence that if you, you know, if you commit and persevere and again, get up every day and do the work every day and put the fire out, or whatever it is, and, and sort of, you know, know, have the confidence that it's happening. Um, and you kind of turn it over to the universe and say, all right, whenever it, whenever it is great, I know it's happening, but like, you know, thank you whatever you believe in God universe for sort of making this happen at the right time, um, as opposed to on your own timeline. Um, and, and then just sort of know in your heart it's happening and sort of enjoy the journey, enjoy the work, because if we are happy, if we are enjoying what we do day to day, then we'll get there. Then we won't burn out. Then we monetary success will follow where that kind of joy and sense of purpose exist. I completely agree. And I know you mentioned something earlier about, about failure and releasing that. And I think that as long as we are willing to, one of the things I say, the half the game is just staying in it. As long as you're willing to keep getting up. I know you mentioned putting up fires and solving the next problem. As long as you're willing to solve the next problem and keep going, it's, it's inevitable. I really feel that all of our success is inevitable. It's just a matter of, are we going to put in the time, work, effort, and really patience to make it happen? 
And so thank you so much. This has been such an honor to have you on the show. Where can we follow you, find out more about or purchase uh, Red Clay Hot Sauce? Are you, on, are you on Instagram? Yes, you're on Instagram. Red Clay Hot Sauce on Instagram, and I'm Molly Feening on Instagram, and then redclayhotsauce.com. Um, we sell all our, all our sauces and, and honeys there. Go get some. I'm excited to get some Verde, and I will exclusively eating my avocados with that from moving forward. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. We want to invite you to follow CEO School on Instagram for show notes, inspiration, and exclusive behind the scenes you won't find anywhere else. We also have an absolutely incredible free resource for you. It's the seven lessons we learned building seven and eight figure businesses. These are complete game changers and we want to give it to you completely free. All you have to do is leave a review of the podcast, why you love listening, screenshot the review and email it to hello at ceoschoolpodcast.com and we'll send it your way. See you in the next class.